I'm TL, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week at Mass, we say those words, I believe, but our belief has implications on the way we live our life the rest of the week. We explore those implications together right here on Outside the Walls. Well, tomorrow is the third Sunday in ordinary time, and really, it's probably better to say it is the Sunday of the third week in ordinary time, because there is, this is a trick question, there is no first Sunday of ordinary time. This is the only season of the of the church year that does not begin on a Sunday. And the reason for that is that we uh, we end the Christmas season with the baptism of the Lord. And uh, the, the reckoning for when that falls is a little tricky, because if Epiphany falls on the, the Sunday between January 2nd and January 8th. And so if uh, Epiphany falls somewhere between the 2nd and the 6th, then the following Sunday will be the baptism of the Lord. However, if the if Epiphany falls on the 7th or the 8th on that Sunday, then uh, the baptism of the Lord is the following Monday, that just next day. And then immediately following the baptism of the Lord, any weekday that comes thereafter uh, is then now the Monday or the Tuesday of ordinary time. Uh, and then that next Sunday is going to be the second Sunday in ordinary time. It's just the way it all falls down. Uh, and the third Sunday, which we're getting to tomorrow, the third Sunday in ordinary time is a new observance. It is the Sunday of the Word of God. Uh, that This came about uh, through a motu proprio put out by Pope Francis on September 30th, just this last year. And so this is the first year that we as a church are going to observe this Sunday of the Word of God. And, and this is a great opportunity for the whole church to give our attention to Scripture. There's the stereotype uh, about Catholics and sometimes even among Catholics that uh, we, we Catholics, we don't really know Scripture. We don't know the Bible, and, uh, and the Bible's just, you know, the it's not for us. We, we have tradition. Well, here's, here's a newsflash. Scripture is tradition, right? It's the words that the, the apostles and those early uh, disciples of Jesus Christ wrote down. Uh, and, and even before that, uh, the, the revelation that God gave to his people in the Old Testament, written down and handed to us, compiled for us, <clears throat> handed down to us through tradition. So Scripture is one aspect of the tr- sacred tradition of the church and one that we ought to be familiar with. So much so that St. Jerome said, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. And that's a, that's a big deal because we, uh, we who believe that Christ makes himself present to us through the sacrament so that we can enter into a, a, a deep communion with him, well, that's another way of saying to enter into a relationship with him, into an intimate relationship. Uh, relationship with God. And so if this is true, we ought to spend time getting to know him. And we do that, of course, through prayer. We do that through devotion, but we do that also through scripture. I love the catechism of the Catholic church has a beautiful section on scripture. And if you've not ever taken the time to read it, as we're approaching the Sunday for the word of God, this would be an excellent time to, uh, to either pull out your catechism, if you have a copy, which I, I if you don't, you need to get one. I highly encourage you to get a copy of the catechism. And the section on Scripture is from paragraph 100 to paragraph 141. 
It's really not that long because some of the paragraphs are only a sentence long. Uh, but it's just absolutely beautiful in unpacking for us this, uh, this Catholic view of Scripture. One of the things that I love, there's the, a, a phrase in here that is just beautiful. Uh, and it says, In order to reveal himself to man, in the condescension of goodness, God speaks to them in human words. Indeed, the words of God expressed in the words of men are in every way like human language, just as the word of the Eternal Father, when he took on himself the flesh of human weakness, became like men. And then I love, absolutely love this line. Through all the words of sacred scripture, God speaks only one single word, capital W. His one utterance in whom he expresses himself completely. You recall that one and the same word of God extends throughout Scripture. That is one and the same utterance that resounds in the mouths of all the sacred writers, since he who was in the beginning God, with God, has no need of separate syllables, for he is not subject to time. And of course, that one single utterance of God is Jesus Christ. He is the fullness of the revelation of God. He is God from God, light from light, true God from true God. He is the very image of the invisible God. And and through Christ, we come to see the character and the love and the person of God the Father. Jesus is the revelation of God, and we come to know Jesus by knowing the Scriptures. So we're going to talk today about a couple of different ways that you can do that, a couple of different ways that you can approach the Scripture, both in practice and then also through technology. Today we're talking with Craig St. Clair, who is the product manager of Verbum. Verbum is like uh, an e-reader on steroids. It is a, uh, it's a platform that hyperlinks and connects a library of Scripture and the documents of the Church and the Fathers of the Church all in one package, putting it at your fingertips. And if you're interested in that kind of thing, and hopefully by the end of today's show you will be, uh, there is a 30-day free trial. You can go to Verbum.com, download it, play with it, see what you think. And if if you find it to be valuable, if you find that it increases your prayer life and enriches your relationship with with God, then uh, as you go to purchase your library— uh, type in on the promo code, type in OTW show and get a discount on your new Verbum library. Verbum's a program I use all the time. And so we're going to be talking with Craig about uh, his love for scripture, the way he first interacted with scripture and some of the ways that he and I use Verbum to help us in our study of the word of God. There's much more to come right after this, so don't go anywhere, but do join the ongoing conversation over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Talk about how you interact with scripture and give it the hashtag Sunday of the word of God so that we can all follow along. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. 
And tomorrow we have a great celebration. It is the, the first ever Sunday of the Word of God. It was announced just this last September 30th with a motu proprio by Pope Francis called Aperuit Ilis. You can find that on the uh, on the Vatican website. We've got a link to it on our social media. And in it, it declares that the third Sunday in ordinary time is to be devoted to the celebration, study, and dissemination of the Word of God. And the whole motu proprio is worth uh, taking the time to read through because it's filled with ideas of how we can celebrate it. Uh, but today we're going to use it as a jumping off point to talk with Craig St. Clair, who's the product manager at Verbum, Verbum.com. It's a program that I use to do show prep and, and scripture study, and it really lines up with what we want to talk about today, primarily because we are a people as Catholics. Uh, the scripture is, is ours. We compiled it. We put it together. Um, this is something that that there had been, yeah, Scripture was out there. It was written by the apostles and, and those first followers of Jesus. Uh, and yet, uh, you had a, a letter over here read by that church and a, a gospel over here read by this other church. And it was through the councils that the church came together and prayed and said, um, what are the, the books that we really need to take to our heart as Scripture that are authoritative for us, that really um, lay out the revelation of God. Uh, and this is important because when I was a Protestant, the thought was that the Scripture was the revelation of God. And as Catholics, we say, well, kind of. Jesus is, according to Paul, the fullness of the revelation of God, the very image of the invisible God. And Scripture and tradition reveal Jesus to us and un unpack it for us and help us to see more clearly who Jesus is, and by virtue of who Jesus is, therefore who God is as well. And so what I love about Verbum as a program is that it marries Scripture and tradition. And it does this by, by hyperlinking everything together and cross-referencing and putting at your fingertips uh, everything that you need to see the connection between Scripture and tradition. Uh, <laughs> Right, you you click on you're there in the scripture. You're reading along, and there's this little thing, and you click it, and it takes you to the catechism. It takes you to the church fathers. It it allows you to move seamlessly between all of these documents of the church to get a, a more complete picture of who Christ is, and therefore who God is. So, Craig, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for the thanks for the introduction and having me on OTL. So let's talk um, a little bit about this Sunday. You've got the document there right in front of you. Uh, let's talk about why this Sunday matters for us. Yeah, that's a it's a it's a good question. And when the document when the document first came out, um, you know, it's it, it was uh, Pope Francis was hearkening back to the um, the extraordinary uh, jubilee of of mercy, dating back to uh, I don't have the date in front of it that. The, the date for that actually isn't in the document, but the origin of this this idea came to Pope Francis coming out of that um, uh, that jubilee and uh, having to um, having to uh, wanting to provide for the church more of an emphasis on the Word of God um, and the doc the document itself gets into um, kind of the background of sort of the reorientation of Catholics to the Word of God that was provided by the Second Vatican Council in Dei Verbum, the dogmatic constitution. Um, and so 
uh, looking at how the word played a more central role in the liturgy with the liturgy of the word and the liturgy of the Eucharist and giving more pride and place to the word. Um, and then going forward to, um, to Pope Benedict XVI's apostolic exhortation following the, the 2008 Synod of Bishops on the Word of God, that apostolic exhortation, Verbum Domini, um, picking up on this, this need to refocus on the Word of God. It's really kind of picking up uh, Pope Francis. Is kind of, you, you see that connectivity between Francis and Benedict and wanting to pick up something that um, Benedict thought was important in focusing on Scripture. And, and kind of picking that up again and uh, bringing our attention as Catholics to, uh, to the Word of God. Um, so I think it's, um, you know, whatever the, whatever the reasoning or whatever the timing, you know, Pope Francis has got a lot on his plate and a lot has happened uh, under his pontificate. And, um, you know, if this, is, um, if this is the way that he's choosing to, to, uh, to focus us, now on this, then you know, let's let's pay attention and let's um, let's see what we can do in our parishes. The first thing I want to I, I notice out of what you said, it's awfully nice of Pope Francis and Pope Benedict to name their encyclicals and dogmatic constitutions and everything else after your program. Yeah, you know, when when you're talking about uh, <laughs> you know, verbum was it's very deliberately called verbum because the the um, the the sister product uh, logos. Um, obviously, is Greek for the word, right. and it, it initially it was a, an internal joke when they were when back in you know 2008 2009 when it was Logos for Catholics, and that mm-hmm. was kind of the the identity that that um, the Catholic um, resources had within the company. It was it was sort of an internal joke with the team that oh well if they're Logos we're a verbum, and it mm-hmm. just stuck. And then you know eventually there was a an official brand and a website and all of the. Um, the necessary things that they thought were um, that we needed to have to kind of get, um, you know, some traction with Catholics. And so, you know, that's. Mm-hmm. Well, let's um, let's look at this uh, in the light of our our understanding of Scripture and the place of Scripture. Uh, one of the things that Pope Francis has talked about on a fairly regular basis is the the ills of clericalism. And we tend to think of clericalism as being uh, when a priest gets too big for his hat, uh, head gets too big, and he he imposes the hierarchy and shows his you know flexes his muscles a little. And uh, and while that certainly can be an expression of clericalism, uh, we we see other expressions of it as well. And one of those is when we as lay people uh, abdicate all things spiritual and holy to uh, the religious, yeah. whether that be um, monks and nuns or or priests and deacons, and we say, you know, I'm going to let them uh, take the time to to study scripture, and um, they'll explain it to me. And of course, the church says, yeah. and Saint Saint Jerome says, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. And part of our avocation, part of our apostolate, uh, and and our role as baptized priest, prophet, and king, right? Uh, our role is the baptized, our vocation to holiness. It's incumbent upon us to spend time in the Scripture, to spend time um, both in devotional reading and, oh, here's that scary word, and in study, right? And so we have to, uh, I think this is really timely for us to have this this Word of God Sunday. We have to change our 
our outlook and our um, our habits, if we as a individual, if we as a, a local church, if we as the American Catholic Church, if we as the global Catholic Church, are ever going to fulfill the mission that Christ gave to us? Yeah. Well, and when you mention sort of the the, the clericalism or the um, you know, a lot oftentimes people will look at you know priests or religious as well. Well, they know, and I don't. Mm-hmm. And, and and granted, you know, priests and religious, they get, a, you know, a degree of formal intellectual and spiritual formation that in most cases, um, you know, your average lay person or married person just does not get. But the, uh, the resources that are available to, uh, to us today via the miracle of the Internet and, right. you know, digital, um, you know, digital resources... Um, like Verbum or Kindle or any of that. I mean, there's, um, you know, there's no excuse in terms of access to information, mm-hmm. but the, but you can have all the information in the world, and if you still feel like you don't know enough or you don't, um, you can't, somehow you need to know enough in able mm-hmm. to be able to sit down and, and read the Bible, and certainly knowing something is is helpful. But as a as a convert myself, and as one, I have also have a master's degree in in systematic theology, in that, um, and I've worked in with uh, RCIA for um, for over a decade, mm-hmm. and and have watched people, um, you know, every person that comes into the RCIA is well, I don't know enough to read the scriptures. I said, well, you know enough to read it and have a response to it, mm-hmm. um, and that was always. And should be the emphasis when, um, you know, you're engaging sometimes, you know, like myself, I was a convert from, I didn't have a, a religious background at all. So I came to the, to the, to the Bible in the New Testament uh, and the Old Testament as a blank slate. I had no concept mm-hmm. um, and really started to get the first exposure um, to, to the Bible in my AP English class in high school, where wow. I was required to read the Gospel of Matthew because, you know, good pagans like me had no access to this or had no experience with it up to that point. And so there, there's just that there's a level of, of fear or intimidation, I think, that, um, that somehow we need to, to break down or transcend. But, and I think of when I first became a Catholic, all of a sudden— I was keenly aware of my own shortcomings, right? I'd spent my whole life around Scripture. Uh, and yet I read it the same way that all of those people who are now questioning me read it. Uh, and so they would bring up a, a passage of Scripture and say, well, how does this fit in with your new life, right? Uh, and so, yeah, I, I didn't know the answer, so I had to go find it. And I think the idea that, oh, you have to have it completely perfectly worked out before you can ever begin to engage uh, really discounts the witness of the first apostles. I mean, have you read much about Peter? I mean, you hear the stories about Peter. He right. was kind of a screw-up. Yeah. And and not only was he kind of a screw-up, even before he was made the, the rock on which Christ would build his church, he was already the spokesman for the apostles, for the disciples, right? Anytime that something needed to be said, nine times out of ten, it's Peter who's opening his big mouth. Yeah. Uh, and and through that, and through his mistakes, that's where he is formed by Christ into what would eventually be the first among equals among 
the apostles. Uh, it, he, he knew through the mistakes uh, humility, and that humility brought him to a place where he could, where he could grow, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said. I mean, it's interesting you bring up Peter because, you know, he wasn't afraid to, to jump out um, and, and, just, and just do it. Um, and, you know, whether he was, he was willing to make the mistakes at a certain level and he was also willing to repent and, and, and turn himself around yeah. when he realized that he was doing it again and needed to get himself oriented in the right way. Yeah. But you, you, you have to start moving. You have to engage with whatever it is that you're wanting to grow in, or you'll just always be on the sidelines. And so here on this Word of God Sunday, which is first one ever, is tomorrow. It's always going to be on the third Sunday of Ordinary Time. Um, maybe you don't know where to start. That's okay. Uh, pull out a gospel and just read a chapter. Uh, we've, got, we've done some talks here on the show about Lexio Divina, and I'm going to post a link uh, there's a great thing from the USCCB that's going to help you engage with a scripture of the day. Just start with that. Start somewhere as we continue our conversation right after this with Craig St. Clair about Word of God Sunday and our responsibility to engage with the Word of God through scripture and tradition. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily lives. I'm your host, TL. And tomorrow is the uh, the Word of God Sunday. We are talking today with Craig St. Clair, who's the product manager for Verbum, uh, up just just up the road in the in the maybe even prettier part, which is hard to do, of uh, of the Puget Sound area. Yeah, it's uh, I being born and raised in the Northwest. There's a lot of beautiful places, and Bellingham is one. And you know, I'm you know looking out your window here, and it, this is a this is a great spot too. Yeah. So it's hard to say. So we're, we're talking about the Word of God Sunday and uh, approaching Scripture. And you said something in the last segment about um, oftentimes we want to abdicate and to, to relegate the interpretation of Scripture to the priesthood or to the clergy. And something that I've heard from a number of, of people, but there are certain cultures where this is, I think, even more prevalent, is that I don't have the right to interpret scripture. It belongs to the priesthood. And I think that this comes from um, a misunderstanding that we have about what the magisterium is. Because the Catechism of the Catholic Church in uh, paragraph 85, which many of you know 87 is my favorite, we'll get there in a second, it relates to this. Uh, Paragraph 85 says, the task of giving an authentic interpretation of the Word of God, whether in its written form or in the form of tradition, has been entrusted to the living teaching office of the church alone. Its authority in this matter is exercised in the name of Jesus Christ. This means that the task of interpretation has been entrusted to the bishops in communion with the successor of Peter, the Bishop of Rome. Yet, this magisterium is not superior to the Word of God, but is its servant. It teaches only what has been handed on to it. At the divine command and with the help of the Holy Spirit, 
It listens devotedly, guards it with dedication, and expounds expounds it faithfully. All that it proposes for belief as being divinely revealed is drawn from this single deposit of faith. So we hear that, and we say, okay, well, there's this, there's this teaching office, there's the magisterium, uh, and they're responsible for it. And we tend to think of the magisterium, at least I did when I first came into the church, uh, almost as all the bishops in Rome, rather all the bishops in the world in union with the Bishop of Rome, every once in a while got together as a deliberative body and maybe had some kind of, um, oh, Senate or, or parliamentary system by which they decided things, uh, almost as if it was a church council all the time, every time, rather than what, you know, as someone once put it, what the church teaches now and has always taught like this line of continuity. And so if that's what we think the magisterium is and they have the right to to interpret, then I don't have that right. Uh, I view it differently now that we have the obligation to approach Scripture and to interpret Scripture. And if we're wrong, if there's ever a time where what I think Scripture says is in opposition to what they say Scripture says, then we get to the next paragraph, paragraph 87, that says, mindful of Christ's words to his apostles, he who hears you hears me. The faithful receive with docility the teachings and directives their pastors give them in different forms. So if we're at odds, I have to have the humility and the docility to say, along with St. Teresa of Avila, if I disagree with the church, it's out of ignorance and not out of malice. But that doesn't get me off the hook from having opinions and from interpreting Scripture and from approaching Scripture because it's through that that Christ speaks to me and interacts with me and forms me into his disciple. Yeah, you get a lot of the way people think about the magisterium is that they're sort of setting down the boundaries of what you can't do mm-hmm. and what you can't think or what you can't believe. Um, and, I, and I think it's, it's exactly the opposite, that we have the great gift of the magisterium to say, this is what... Um, what has been handed on over the centuries about the Trinity, the Church, the what you know, pick whatever teaching you want in the Catechism, that we don't have to sort of reinvent the wheel on all of this stuff. We can we can read that, we can know it, we can grapple with it if we have um, you know a struggle with believing. But ultimately, what that does, what that magisterium does, is it kind of it it very clearly you know if if the um, if you can think of the church as sort of the um, sort of marking out the narrow road that leads to life, it's like you've got clear markers more or less right. on what that narrow road is, and when you have those markers and those boundaries, um, you have freedom to to do what you personally need to do to to live on that narrow road that leads to life and to to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And, um, but I think that, um, you know, and you, and, and getting into the, the, the question of the interpretation of scripture and the magisterium, uh, can get really heavy. But when you talk, when you, when you, when you let the magisterium sort of do its job as an individual believer, you go, okay, well, I've got, I've got to work this out. Mm-hmm. And now I need to, 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 appropriate this scripture into my life. What does this mean for me? The magisterium can't answer that question for you. Right. They can't discern that 
situation that you're in for you. Like you have to pick up your own crosses and your own situation and bring scripture to bear on your own life. Yeah, we look at, you know, we look at St. Augustine now and we're like, oh, well, he's, you know, that's St. Augustine. He's a doctor of the church. But when he heard the voice of the Holy Spirit to tell him to take up and read, he was worse off than most of us. Right. right? He did. <laughs> yeah. He was not in good shape or in good standing with the church. And, and it was through the reading of Scripture that now he is a doctor of the church. Uh, one of the, you mentioned reading for reading's sake and just to read the Scripture as, as a book. Take it, pick it up, read it, and let it soak in. But there's something that I do, and I use verbum to do it, and this is not a sales pitch. It's an explanation of what I do. Um, I'll pull up uh, my my view. So I've got the scripture in front of me, and I attach uh, the panes to where I'm reading scripture, and following along is the Catina Aria. So I'm reading um, St. Thomas Aquinas's compilation of the Church Fathers. And then... I also have this other side pane telling me all of the places where that scripture is referenced in the church fathers. And so as I'm reading, as I'm studying and I have a question, um, I can go and I can see what St. John Chrysostom, what the, um, you know, St. Augustine and St. Bernard of Clairvaux and all the way through current encyclicals, see where those things have been referenced and what the church says about it. And, I found it to be really the easiest way to, as, as people say, read Scripture with the church. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, the, um, the utility of having that right in front of you and to have the Scripture open and to be able to, in verbum, and, and again, I don't want this to be a sales pitch, but I, I use verbum every morning as well myself personally for my own devotion and my own study. And so, you know, when you have the ability to to access um, the church fathers or the catechism or, you know, whatever that is. I mean, that can, can, can streamline you in your, in your study, save you time, but it also, it's also empowering to know that, you know, you have, we have this ability, this, this, this tradition isn't unavailable to us. It's available to us in a way in, in this day and age, in a way that it was never available to, um, people in the past mm-hmm. yay technology right i i you know i was i was a little bit of a luddite when i was in in college <laughs> and you know i had friends who were deeply involved in the internet and technology and, and things like that and i was usually the the devil's advocate in that group and they look at me now and 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 go and, and you're doing <laughs> yeah no i uh i you know it's a tool and yeah. and and with any tool um you know a shovel can dig a great hole or you can hack someone's head off with it that's not the shovel's fault it's the way in which you use it, and it's things I never thought I'd hear on this show, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's I, well, I, you know, and I and I get this a lot managing, you know, dealing with a, a um, you know, a piece of software that can be on a computer and a mobile device, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's like, well, you know, I'm trying not to use my, you know, phone, and there's there are all kinds of you know attachments and addictions to, right. um, you know, to social media and the phone, and and that's that's a real thing. But, uh, you know, there was a uh, there, there's something to be said for redeeming that technology and using it in the in the service of uh, of Christ and his church. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, some some practical strategies. You know, you you came in to the church with no previous religious experience. Uh, 
how do you, as a Catholic, how does one, as a Catholic, begin to approach Scripture? Yeah, so early on, and you and I were talking about this before we went on air a little bit, um, but early on, before I, I'm a, I'm a convert, I went through our CIA, and I had, and, and I mentioned before that I had no religious background whatsoever, that one of the things that I set myself to, I was a, a junior in college, and I said, I have not read the, the New Testament. I said, I got to get some knowledge under my belt before I go into RCIA, because literally the first, the only thing that was familiar to me when I walked into the Catholic Church for the first time and sat in liturgy was the Our Father. That was the only thing I recognized. And so I sat, and from 6 a.m. until 6.30, before I got going with my uh, summer job, I just, I read the New Testament, and I just read. And, you know, I had the Catholic Study Bible at the time, and, um, you know, I read footnotes when I felt like I wanted to read footnotes, but I didn't read it with a sense of intimidation or fear, I just said, I need to, I want to get through this book. But in hindsight, there were, there were insights that I had because I was reading, uh, in, in the way St. Anselm describes theology with, I had faith and I was seeking understanding and coming to the scriptures with that. Um, you know, there were, there were graces that I was given, um, uh, particularly around the Eucharist and in John and in the book of Acts. Uh, around the papacy and John Paul II um, and seeing how Peter acted in the book of Acts. And I thought that that's John Paul II right there. So I had this, you know, quasi mystical moment where I was seeing Peter in John Paul II and John Paul II in Peter in Acts and um, just, you know, in, 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 in our CIA and in working with our CIA, you have the, the breaking open of the word that will happen in the, in the Sunday or weekly sessions that you have. And the one thing that I have always encouraged people to do and that I was encouraged to do is, you know, you're, you're engaging your life with the scriptures. And that's, I mean, if there's one, one takeaway that you just sit and read and what does this mean to you? How do you, what is, how do you respond to this? What does this, yeah. yeah, What does it mean? Yeah. You know, I think of um, the first, the first writers, you know, John says, I have written these things to you so that you may believe. So even the writers, they weren't writing to scholars. They were writing to a group of people uh, who did not have a whole bunch of experience with these questions in order that those questions would be illuminated in them. And we, we trust, even as we approach Scripture, and maybe the, the safest way to approach Scripture is to do so with that prayer, Holy Spirit, help me understand. You come with that humility and, and recognize that the authors of Scripture are writing for our benefit, uh, yes, to a different time and a different culture and a different people, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, it still has efficacy. So this is the week. If you've not done it in a while, pick up your Bible. And even if you just start with the readings of the day, take some time to read Scripture. We've been talking today with Craig St. Clair. He's the project manager for Verbum. Go to Verbum.com and download a 30-day free trial. If you like it and want to buy a copy, then type in OTW Show at checkout and get 15% off. Join us over on social media, Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. Come talk to me about your experience with Scripture. There's much more to come right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. Today we've been talking about the Word of God. Tomorrow we celebrate the Sunday of the Word of God, the third Sunday in ordinary time. We've been talking with Craig St. Clair, who's the product manager for Verbum. Verbum Verbum.com is a wonderful platform uh, to be able to approach Scripture with the church, to read Scripture along with the church. I encourage you to go take a look at it, get your 30-day free trial, and see if you like it. If you do, when you go to check out and get your own Verbum library, be sure to type in OTW Show into the uh, the promo code and get a discount there. If you missed any part of the show or you want to share it with your friends, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. While you're there getting ready to hit the share button, uh, go look at the top right-hand corner of the page, and you'll see a link that says Support the Show Patreon. All of our Patreon supporters get weekly extra segments with our guest. This week is no exception. Uh, so if that's something you've been thinking about doing, go ahead and see if this is the week to make it happen. Uh, they've got a great extra segment with uh, with Craig St. Clair. And, of course, as soon as you sign up, you also get access to the entire backlog of extra segments. We'd love to have you be a part of that community. Let's turn our attention now to our reading from Scripture and from a document of the church. Our reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and we hear this. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, that what had been said through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way by the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. On those dwelling in the land, overshadowed by death, light has arisen. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. He said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. He walked along from there and saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. He called to them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. He went around all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and curing every disease and illness among the people. That reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew. It's the longer reading available to us uh, tomorrow. So maybe you'll hear the whole thing. Maybe you'll just hear the first part of it. Uh, I want to focus specifically on the second part because it's something that happens to us when we approach Scripture. But just a, a little thing to bring out is all of a sudden, John the Baptist is arrested. And his message up till now has been repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And immediately when this happens... Jesus takes up that message. He begins to proclaim what had been proclaimed before him, to turn away, right, to repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then immediately we go and we see that play out in a very real way in the second half of that passage as he approaches uh, Peter and Andrew and James and John, 
and says, follow me. And in saying, follow me, he is saying to them, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn away from what you're doing. Turn away from your life as normal. And they do. They leave behind everything that they have known. They leave behind their family and their profession and uh, the things that are comfortable to them. And they follow after Christ. And I want you to look at this in light of uh, the rich young ruler, that story where uh, Jesus says, one thing you lack, go and sell all you have and come follow me. And we, we kind of think that Jesus was kind of trying to pull one over on him. And this isn't the case. He was inviting that person into the same relationship that he invited Matthew, the tax collector, that he invited these uh, these disciples, Peter and Andrew and James and John. And the same invitation that he's going to extend to you and to me as we approach him through our prayer and through our study and reading of Scripture. He's going to say to us that there's something that we're comfortable with and something that we hold on to and something that uh, is not even necessarily a bad thing as hard work is not a bad thing and family connections are not a bad thing unless they are preventing us from fully following. And so each of these apostles, as they would later become, each of them had to lay something down, something that was core to their identity in the process of getting up and following Christ. And as they let go of the things that they thought defined them, he, through the Holy Spirit and through uh, forming them and calling them into their vocation, he changed their identity, just as he's done throughout uh, throughout history, as uh, Abram becomes Abraham, as uh, Saul becomes Paul, as Simon becomes Peter. And so, too, he wants to change our names and our identities so that we can pursue holiness, so that we can be made into his likeness uh, as we see ourselves in the mirror of Scripture. Our reading from a document of the church today comes from Verbum Domini, which Craig St. Clair mentioned earlier in the show, uh, was written by Pope Benedict XVI and promulgated back in 2010. In reaffirming the profound connection between the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, we have also laid the basis for an understanding of the significance and the decisive value of the living tradition and the sacred scriptures in the church. Indeed, since God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, the divine word spoken in time is bestowed and consigned to the church in a definitive way, so that the proclamation of salvation can be communicated effectively in every time and place. As the dogmatic constitution De Verbum reminds us, Jesus Christ himself commanded the apostles to preach the gospel, promised beforehand by the prophets, fulfilled in his own person and promulgated by his own lips to all, preach the gospel to all as a source of all saving truth and moral law, communicating God's gifts to them. This was faithfully carried out. It was carried out by the apostles who handed on by oral preaching, by their example, by their ordinances, what they themselves had received, whether from the lips of Christ, from his way of life and his works, or by coming to know it through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It was carried out by those apostles and others associated with them, who under the inspiration of the same Holy Spirit committed the message of salvation to writing. 
The Second Vatican Council also states that this tradition of apostolic origin is a living and dynamic reality. It makes progress in the Church with the help of the Holy Spirit, yet not in the sense that it changes in its truth, which is perennial. Rather, there is a growth in insight into the realities and the words that are being passed on through contemplation and study with understanding granted by deeper spiritual exercise and by the preaching of those who, on succeeding to the office of bishop, have received the sure charism of truth. The living tradition is essential for enabling the Church to grow through time in the understanding of the truth revealed in the Scriptures. Indeed, by means of the same tradition, the full canon of the sacred books is known to the Church, and the Holy Scriptures themselves are more thoroughly understood and constantly made effective in the Church. Ultimately, it is the living tradition of the Church which makes us adequately understand sacred Scripture as the Word of God. Although the Word of God precedes and exceeds sacred Scripture, nonetheless, Scripture, as inspired by God, contains the divine Word in an altogether singular way. We see clearly, then, how important it is for the people of God to be properly taught and trained to approach the sacred scriptures in relation to the church's living tradition, and to recognize in them the very word of God. Fostering such an approach in the faithful is very important from the standpoint of the spiritual life. Here, it might be helpful to recall the analogy drawn by the fathers of the church between the word of God which became flesh and the Word of God, which became a book. The dogmatic constitution De Verbum takes up this ancient tradition, which holds, as St. Ambrose says, that the body of the Son is the Scripture which we have received, and declares that the words of God expressed in human language are in every way like human speech, just as the Word of the Eternal Father, when he took on himself the weak flesh of human beings, became like them. When understood in this way, Sacred Scripture presents itself to us in the variety of its many forms and content as a single reality. Indeed, through all the words of Sacred Scripture, God speaks only one single word, His one utterance in whom He expresses Himself completely. St. Augustine had already made the point clearly. Remember that one alone is the discourse of God which unfolds in all Sacred Scripture and one alone is the word which resounds on the lips of all the holy writers. In short, by the work of the Holy Spirit and under the guidance of the magisterium, the Church hands on to every generation all that has been revealed in Christ. The Church lives in the certainty that her Lord who spoke in the past continues today to communicate His word in her living tradition and in sacred scripture. That reading comes from Verbum Domini. Read the whole thing. I've got a link to it up on social media. That's all the time we have for today. Today's show is brought to you by Marisa Alvarez Pasos and all those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link, and join their numbers. And until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.